Welcome to the Four Jack Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to season five of the Four Jack Podcast, powered by our friends over at Galvin Green. Galvin Green is the number one technical golf apparel brand preferred on every professional tour. They're famous for designing high-tech elevated golf apparel for every golfer, male or female, to feel invincible under all conditions. Head over to galvingreen.com and get your apparel game dialed in for the 2023 season. A massive thank you to our community that continues to support and share in our success. Throughout Season 5, you can expect more untold stories, more amazing guests, and a deeper dive into how golf truly impacts, connects, and is celebrated by many. This is going to be a fantastic episode tonight. We are blessed to finally connect with this mega superstar media personality. But before we get into it with tonight's special guest, we're going to head down to warmer climates and check in with the AGM, Mr. Derek Lane. What's happening in SoCal today? Just another day in paradise. Cool for us, but hey, you know what? Weather talk has to go on, right? Blizzard watch here in the, in the LA County. So it is what it is. There's just nothing worse than... It just being the predominant, it's almost like as a Californian in LA right now, you have to talk about the weather because it's just been so wet and so cold. It's just, and as a Minnesotan, you know, it's just, I kind of laugh, but hey, if we're going to suffer, we're going to suffer this way. But big game hunting tonight, big game hunting for you and I. So this has been one we've been trying for, for a while. Big fan. A lot of what we do kind of stems from the way that these guys have done it for so long and so well. So excited for tonight. And uh, more importantly, I'm just happy to listen for once i'm not going to try and talk the whole goddamn night we're actually going to listen because this one's worthy to listen to so i know western canada probably pissed off but we got this one but we'll figure it out we're going to get amongst it tonight so without further ado the four jack podcast is extremely excited to host former u.s amateur champion pj tour player the more attractive half of golf subpar podcast <laughs> sorry sleaze the absolute best thing to happen to the cbs broadcast since Shell's wonderful world of golf went off the air in 19, 1970. A legend in the making. Please welcome to the show, Mr. Colt Nose. Wow, what an intro. Um, Sleaze does def definitely doesn't talk that nicely about me, so thank you so much. I would say better looking, smarter, more intelligent, richer, all of the above, basically, than yeah, Sleaze, he's but he's my guy. He's got, a, he's got a good sock game, but that's probably where it ends, right? Just Thanks. below the knee. Exactly. That's, that's about all. Uh, big, nice visor game and sock game. Yeah, legit. Well, and, and let's be honest, it's kind of that we have that same thing here, right? Cold as you just pair up with the with the full figure bearded guy, just following our steps, just hop on the back and we'll go, we'll just go from that way. It's just it's easy. Stick with us, we'll take you places. I like that. <laughs> Cold, how you feeling, my man? I know you had a busy West Coast swing and you're sort of enjoying some downtime recovering. How crazy is it right now being inside the ropes on the PJ tour? It's wild, man. And like we're so lucky with our West Coast swing, you know, starting at San Diego, which was a great event with Max Homa, you know, playing as well as he did with John Rahm in the final group. Then we go over to Pebble Beach, and Justin Rose has his resurgence, gets back in the winner's circle. And then, I mean, what more can be said about Phoenix in L.A.? Phoenix is just a shit show as it always is, but it's also some really good golf with Scotty Scheffler, John Rahm in the final, final group, alongside the Canadian Nick Taylor, who I dummied back in the USAM back in the day. But I might trade him that for uh, his bank account out there on the PGA Tour right now. But that week was just awesome to see Scotty go out there and defend. And then we go over to L.A. We got Tiger. We got Max Homa. We got John Rahm battling it out again. And John Rahm showed why he's the best in the world, being able to get it done on our real championship golf course. Man, it's wild. That was my first time ever following Tiger. Um, you know, I never got paired with him on, on the PGA Tour when I played. I'd never covered him in a group since I started working for CBS or Golf Channel. And, dude, it is just a whole nother animal. It is so cool. I got to, I got him three out of the four days, and it was honestly probably the most fun, other than 16 at Phoenix on the, on the Saturday when Amanda Renner and I get to get after it down there. Other than that, I don't, I don't know if I can beat it, man. It, it was just so fun seeing what he goes through every single day when he tees it up on the PGA Tour. Is it bad some of the limping and some of the sort of kind of dragging along from shot to shot up to different tee boxes and stuff like that? We don't see a lot of that on the coverage. So is it as bad as everybody's making it out to be? You know, I would say it's definitely gotten better from last year. There was definitely, you could tell Saturday, Sunday, like it was starting to catch up to him. Sunday, I thought was the most tired he's looked. 
Um, his ball speed was actually down a little bit. And then I set it on air, and all of a sudden he shipped one back up there like 178. Just I, thought, I was like, did this guy just hear me or something? I mean, what is <laughs> he has voices, ears, he has ears everywhere. So he, he knows exactly what's going on. But, you know, the walk is the concern. I have zero concern. I actually just ran into his caddy, Joey LaCava at Whisper Rock right before I came up here to join y'all. And he's in town with Fred Couples. They're hanging out, playing some golf. And, you know, it's it's all about walking for him. The game is there. I mean, he's hitting it as solid as I've as, as I can remember. I mean, now it's not 2000 Tiger, but it's good enough to compete with the best players in the world. And, you know, the only time I saw him putt was at Riviera and he never puts good there. So I don't look too much into that. I think he if he goes down Magnolia Lane, gets to the Masters and Augusta National and can walk 72 holes, wh- why not be a factor? Yeah, that's uh, – I don't even know what to say to that. That's like – that's what shit – dreams are made of that. Like, that's just the ultimate potential, of, I don't know, underlying of, of what could happen at that place because it's a magical property. Anything's possible. But there's so many guys right now that are contending. I mean, last weekend, obviously, Kirk came out on top, which is insane, but that leaderboard was just jammed on Sunday. It was crazy. I mean, every leaderboard has been lately. I mean, I know Honda didn't have the greatest field, but it was still exciting to watch with Eric Cole getting beat in the playoff by Chris Kirk. But, I mean, like I said, Phoenix, L.A., your leaderboard is loaded with the top players. This is what these designated events were supposed to do, and I'm sure we'll get to it at some point, but that's why I'm so frustrated with the changes that they're making because I think everything is so good right now. Why change it up? I mean, we're getting exactly what we want from these massive events. I mean, we're getting big-time leaderboards, some underdog stories, trying to get up there and compete with the big dogs, and it's exciting every single Sunday. What more can you ask for? I was texting with J.C. Deacon after the round on Sunday. He was hanging out with Kurt, and honestly, that is what the PGA Tour is all about right there. If you can encapsulate that energy and that feeling and that sort of magical moment for Kurt, that's something that Liv will never, ever produce as a product. So I got to say, we're really in a good spot right now. I couldn't agree more. I mean, look look at Max Homa after he finishes runner-up at Genesis Invitational. I mean, the emotion he showed, just just showing the people, you know, he's a human. That one hurt. I mean, that's that's in front of his friends, his family, you know, the city he grew up in. He wants that. He's already won it, but he didn't get to do it in front of his friends, fans, and family. And he wanted that so bad. And I just don't think we see that on the other tour. Um, now, I could be wrong. I haven't been to one. I have watched, but it would hard, be hard for me to – you know, be convinced that that the emotion and, you know, the these guys, I mean, they're just living and dying by every shot in these events because it does mean that that much. I mean, guys like Nick Taylor, I mean, that finish changed his career like he's most likely now going to be in the top 50 in the FedEx Cup unless something crazy happens. He's going to get in all these designated events like not only did that finish make him two point two million, probably made him an extra five, six, seven million guaranteed. Yeah, it's it's crazy. So. I don't want to transition to the hot take so fast, but what would you define as sort of what they're playing for that emotional component? Is it the legacy factor? Is it the the history of the game? Is it that story to be sort of noted as one of those guys that, that did something, had an achievement on su- such a high level, I guess you would say. Yeah. You know, for, for me, a guy that never even won, though, but I, I put everything I had into the game. I mean, you are out there grinding from such a young age as a kid, busting your ass, you know. I mean, they say blood, sweat, and tears. I mean, there wasn't a whole lot of blood going on. But, I mean, there is. There's obviously a lot of highs, a lot of lows. You throw everything you got. I mean, you're, the time away from your family, trying to work to get better, to go out there and provide a great life for them, and to leave your mark on the game of golf. I, I, it's just so hard to describe because, I mean, I never won. But I just know what it meant when I got close and how much it hurt when you didn't get the job done. And these guys, I mean, just for 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 Max, for example, and even John Rahm, he won the golf tournament. But to get Tiger Woods to hand you the trophy, like that is just such a cool moment. I mean, the money, it is what it is. These guys, they, the top guys, they don't have to worry about money. But going out there and putting their name on these trophies with the greats, uh, it just means so much. Like for me, for the USA, I'm like, my name will always be on that trophy alongside Tiger Woods, Jack Nicholas, Arnold Palmer. I mean, all, all those great players. Like, it's crazy for me to think that my name is right there on that trophy. Well, and I think a little bit too, Parksy, you have a little bit of this Tiger's offspring, right? Like, you got these guys that grew up idolizing the cat, and now they're kind of carrying that torch. And, like, 
I love me a little JT and I love when people get a little bit of Twitter going, you know, and I love that Max and Justin understand how to do social media. And I love his shot, you know, and he, he, the quote he had about live and that they're just unequivocally better, but it really seems to matter more. Right. And, and much like Colt was saying that West coast swing was as good as it was probably just before I remember in 08 when Tiger won the open, they had that same kind of punch because they all knew they're coming back to Tories. So they're acclimating a little bit, kind of really that big one right there. And I was there. I was I won a PGA award that year and I got to be the honorary starter on Wednesday and got to kind of get that feel. And we got to watch Tiger and we got to do this. And especially at Riv, like I haven't seen that much juice in a long time. And it's almost like these guys know the torch they're carrying and who started it, right? Like it's a really big deal to them. Can you talk a little bit like when you're around these guys, is that part of the discussion, how proud they are to be the PGA Tour? It is it slightly competitive much more than we're seeing on the on the media side of it is it really happening in that regard that they really want it this badly no i I really think they do obviously you know everyone is benefiting in the professional game of golf from what live has done now i'm not a live fan um i don't fault any guys for going but they everyone in the game of golf is benefiting i mean whether it's us sitting right here because we get to talk about it a lot more and our platforms get out there a lot more but these guys I mean, they push each other. They they train together at home. They practice against each other at home, whether you're in Jupiter, whether you're in Dallas or Scottsdale. Like, you are there, and you're out there playing against each other, and you're out there working, and you're pushing to try to see who is the best. Like, you mentioned JT earlier. Like, you think it's sitting well with him that he's number nine in the official world golf rankings right now, and no one's talking about him pushing for that number one spot? It's all Scotty Scheffler, John Rahm, and Rory McIlroy. Like, that's going to light a fire under his ass and look out for Justin Thomas to, you know, turn this thing around. I mean, he hadn't finished outside the top 25 in 2023, but it's not been a Justin Thomas year, I would say so far, but we're still very early on in it. But yeah, man, these guys push each other. It is it is so much fun to watch, to watch JT and Rory interact with Tiger those first two days at Riviera. And I, I flat out asked Rory, I was like, how, how does this differ for you? I mean, here you're, you're a superstar. I mean, you've played with Tiger a million times. He's like, dude, I still get jacked up for it. Like it's, <laughs> it means that much to him. It's cool. Cause I mean, it is, dude, it's Tiger Woods. This is who all of us grew up idolizing and wanting to be. And probably the reason, you know, most of these young kids that are coming up, he's probably the sole reason they picked up a golf club. Legitimate. Absolutely. He had a question. By the way, Parksy, uh, Hey Colt, did someone say that plus 1900 and Justin is a good bet this week? Uh, last week? I mean, did, did we have that? One? I don't hate it. God, I love. I mean, can you imagine? But just think of that JT's a plus nineteen hundred. I just Crazy. I found that fascinating when I was doing a little research today and saw that. I was just like, hell, these guys are something. Like that that just means so much that there's the Homas and the Roms and all these guys that are all sitting up there. And I think you're exactly right. I mean, just God, could you imagine we fell out of the top ten? And I mean, I just I love that these guys care that much now. That it's almost like that. Not only is their tour on on parade, but it's almost like individually they're all kind of doing the Sunday thing at the rider, right? Like these guys just give a shit that much. Oh, every single week they tee it up. And that's why I think the designated events are so great because we get to see these guys go against each other. You know, it's not just Jordan Spieth at a tournament or Colin Morikawa, Roy McIlroy and Xander Shoffley, and then everybody else is taking all the other top 15 are taking the week off. Like we're getting, you know, numbers of 43 of the top 50, you know, tw- top, all the top 20 in the world teeing it up other than Cam Smith. So 19 of the top 20 teeing it up. And these guys, that's when they want to go out there and they want to prove themselves. They're like, listen, all those other tournaments are great. We want to win them. But when you beat the best, it is so, I, I mean, there's got to be so much more satisfaction in it. Yeah, it's the gratification for sure. You want to test your game against the best of the best of the best. I mean, that's that's the game within the game, right? That's bragging rights in the locker room when you're traveling. That's those uh, Wednesday practice round games that are going on and those guys are beating each other up on so that's and that's the thing honestly like in my opinion i miss the most is the tuesday trash talking you know going going at it with the boys that is so much fun and yeah i mean you you damn right there's a lot of bragging rights going on when so-and-so gets so-and-so at a tournament the week before okay we're gonna shift gears a little bit here netflix full swing are we gonna see colt nose make an appearance on the show for season two And, and what are your what are your thoughts overall in the first season so, you know, I was in it briefly in season one when Justin was yelling at me. And even though the subtitle said Cole, which I texted Chad mom, I'm like, really, dude, like Thanks, you have bro. my phone number. You've talked to me about this thing and you put me in there as Cole. That was really cool. Um, you know, I would love to sit down with them 
and, and talk if they want to. Uh, you know, for me, it's like I live and die golf. I mean, it's 24-7. That's all I watch. That's all I talk about. So for me, it's like I knew most of the stuff that goes on. But like when I watched Drive to Survive, like I knew nothing about F1. So like that was cool as shit for me. Um, I guess if you're not a diehard golfer, like you were probably blown away by a lot of the stuff you saw. I would still like to see some more of the behind the scenes stuff, getting ready for Augusta. Um, you know, the, the, the jet rides are cool and all, but how about we show the guy that's in B 32 on Southwest and show how he travels and how he lives. Now he has to go check into his hotel room, you know, show that his bags don't come to baggage claim one time. And he's got to panic about that. I mean, I, I think that's, you know, that's a different lifestyle where I think everyone at home, just sees the private jets, the fancy hotels, everything's good. They don't even put their clubs in a travel case because they're going on the jet. Um, I would like to see more of that. And yeah, I would love to sit down with them. Like I thought they did a great job, um, but there wasn't really many players talking about, you know, what it was like going down the stretch of tournaments, you know, what they're feeling, trying to win these massive events, trying to, trying to make a cut. I mean, they explained what a cut was. And then you got, a, you got guys on Friday afternoon, like that's real pressure, man. I've begged CBS for the last two years. I was like, the fact we don't show more guys on the cut line on Friday just blows my mind because that is such great TV. Like I know Jordan Spieth's the star. He might have a birdie putt to get to 32nd place. Great. But there's a dude over here trying to keep his guard that has 12 feet on the last for birdie to make the weekend. Like that's what we want to see. That is cool stuff. That is exactly what Mackenzie Hughes said when we had him on the show, not that long ago, he said, dude, the coverage sucks because we want to see that back end. Those guys are grinding. They're struggling. That's the drama. That's where they're shaking over six footers for par to go play the weekend to maybe make a 50th place check. Like that's where it really unfolds. Right. I, well, I agree hundred percent. Not only just to make a check, but you know, this game is just a constant battle at all times and you never know when you're going to find something. And so you can do it in practice rounds. You can do it on the range. Things are going to feel great. But you go out there and you make that 10-footer on Friday to make the cut, and you get two more competitive rounds, and you go out there and you find something. And it might only lead to a 40th-place finish that week, but in the next week or the week after, you might find something. You never know. I, I remember when I won on the Corn Ferry Tour one year, I wasn't playing that great, struggled. Obviously, all of a sudden found something in West Virginia on the back nine Sunday. I think I shot like 30 or something like that and still finished 40th. Like I was playing terrible. But I found something that nine holes took it over to Springfield, Missouri, shot 26 under and one by four. And I credit it all to, to that last nine holes I played because I finally just let it go. And was like, let's try this thought. And it worked and it carried over to the next week. Yeah. It's funny how many guys it's that momentum piece, right? I mean, you just find that little swing thought or that little tweak. And all of a sudden it's like next week, you're just on fire and you can't be touched. So I mean, super, super cool. I, I hate to keep going back to Max Homa. He's my guy, but I just love him. And he, and you can relate to him, but I, I mean, he just said, you know, these guys out on the PGA Tour, they're they're one swing thought away from thinking they're great again. And it's it, it, and with Legit. with with those guys, it is so little like they're they're off by just a millimeter. And it's the difference from going on a crazy run of top tens or possibly a couple of wins or missing seven, eight cuts in a row. I mean, James Hahn, when he won Quail Hollow, he missed eight cuts in a row before going to Wells Fargo, Quail Hollow, which is not an easy golf course. And all of a sudden you find it and you win. I mean, that's just how good these guys are and how close they are to playing great at all times. Yeah, agreed. You dropped the name, so let's dig into that side of things. We had some complaints about the changes. James Hahn was very vocal on social media. The Player Advisory Council met for whatever it was, 18 million hours yesterday. A lot of guys are sort of eh, ho-humming about the changes, but a lot of the guys are, are bought into this whole sort of product and, and the scaling of it. Rory said it best. I mean, it's, it's about playing better and giving yourself that opportunity. It's not about complaining and sitting at a hundred spot or 120 spot. It's like, okay, the guys that are going to play better are going to get rewarded. So that's, that's awesome. But how do you feel about it? Especially being a guy that was sort of maybe the bubble boy for a while on the PJ tour. Yeah. I'm, I'm one of those guys that had to grind it out to try to keep my card every year. Um, so for me, it, it would have been tough, but like I'm all for more money going to the top players. Like they do, they earn it. They sell tickets. Like, believe it or not, I mean, there might be four guys, in my opinion, who people show up to actually see. And that's that's not counting Tiger. Tiger's a unicorn. He He's he's the only guy. And why, I think the reason I'm frustrated with all this is things are going so well right now. So these designated events, like we just said, couldn't go better. This is exactly what we want. We've had some underdogs competing. We've had the superstars at the top of the leaderboard. This whole notion that we got to do this these limited field events 
with no cuts to make sure our stars are there for four days. When have we started worrying about the stars making cuts is my question. I, I just don't, I don't understand that. And I never will. Like I was worried about making cuts. Roy McElroy has never teed it up on Thursday and be like, man, I just really hope I play Saturday. <laughs> like, it's just, that's not how it goes. It's, it's not like that for them. That's how good they are. And I will argue until the day I die that if Roy McElroy, John Rahm and Justin Thomas are paired together in 65th place on Sunday and going off next to last on number 10 at whatever tournament it is, there is not going to be a thousand people out there watching them. Now, if it's Tiger, yes, there will be because he's Tiger freaking Woods. But the rest of them, I just the, now there's going to be some people watching. There's no doubt because they get that close up view and everything, and that's great. But they're not going to be draw a, a final group crowd to watch them when they're in 65th place. And honestly, they probably don't want to be there anyway. So yeah, I, that's why it struggle. I struggle with it. Um, the money thing's great. I, I just wish we would have let these designated events play out a little more, like possibly get through travelers. And let's just see like what the ratings are like, you know, what the leaderboards have looked like. How's, how's everything going? And I'm not saying we should play 156 man fields because it takes too damn long. The guys are too slow and we don't finish before, before dark, but 120 man field, 110 man field, hundred field. I don't care with a cut. A cut is a part of, of professional golf, whether you like it or not. I mean, Tiger Woods will tell you one of his greatest goal, one of his greatest records he owns is that cut record of 143. And so I, that's where I'm frustrated is taking away the cut, the money. Great. Keep it coming. I mean, the, the top players deserve it. The pip I'll never understand it. I had this conversation with Roy McIlroy. He listened to my episode with the um, Solly over at no laying up. He's like, I agree with everything you say, except the pip. I'm like, well, Rory, if I'm being totally honest, I don't fucking understand the pip. Yeah, okay. explain it. Explain uh, the framework I, I, to yeah. me. And he's like, well, there's this, this, this. And then his manager manager told me some of it about it, and it helped me out a little bit. But still, I'm just like, all right, cool. Like, I know you're really good at golf, and you're the, one of the most popular. You're going to make a lot of that money, which is fine. But I just I, – I, I don't know why. I guess because I was an underdog my whole life, I love seeing those guys get in the mix with the top guys. And I think if we go to 70, 78-man fields, we lose that. Yeah, I don't, man, it's working so good right now. Like storybook ending at the Palmer. You can't write a better script leading into the players, but yet they went and started messing with the recipe. So I just, I, I don't know. And obviously there's a reason for it, for whatever it is. And there's even talk on the Golf Channel today about, you know, what's going to happen if the money runs out? Are we going to bring in private equity? Is that going to be an issue? Like the guys at the top are padded already. Why mess with the sort of framework right now? Listen, like I said, I think the money that, you know, because of live, they have had to to put up to make this work has been great, but they've allowed in my, this is my opinion. I could be totally wrong. And I would love to sit with Rory, Max and all of them and talk about this. But I think because of live and because of them being so vocal, which is great. Like Rory, Rory McIlroy done has been awesome how he stepped up and he's been the voice of the PJ tour, but now they got a lot of leverage where before I don't think they did. And now they're kind of like, look, we got another option because I know Rory and Greg don't really get along, but I would be willing to bet if Rory, Max Oma, John Rom, Scotty Scheffler, Jordan Spieth called over and be like, you know what? We'll take you up. Why don't you give us an offer? I bet you they'd get one. And that's just my opinion. I'm not saying it, 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 would, it would happen, but I would, I would say Liv would be crazy not to do that. But I think right now the top players have a lot of leverage and they're saying, you know what? We want this to happen. I don't think they're saying or else, but they're like, this is what we would like to see happen. And, you know, it, it, it's great that they're, they have a voice and the money's growing like it is, but just to take away the cut and, you know, this is, people say it's not taking playing away, playing opportunities away, but this is eight massive tournaments that if you go out there and you finished 68th on the FedEx cup and had a pretty decent year, like you're not in these tournaments next year. You, you have your chance to play in. I get that. But we still don't really know how that exactly looks. But you go out there and you had a decent year. You're not in those events. That sucks. That's eight massive tournaments where the guys, by the way, just got released that the winner of those designated events is 700 FedEx Cup points now yeah. compared to 500. So that means more all the way throughout the whole, the whole field of those designated events. So you go out there. I think I saw you can finish third at a regular event, and that's equal to 10th at a designated event as far as points. So you tell me who played better. Yeah. Well, I, I also know that 
one of the things that's happening is in the real world, there's other things that are outside of that bubble, right? And player empowerment is really starting to take hold in some other sports, especially here in the States, obviously the NBA and now with the free agency of NFL, like these guys are calling their own shots and money's being thrown everywhere. So there's always going to be an evening factor, right? Somehow it's going to even itself out. But I think Colt's dead on is that the rich are obviously going to get a hell of a lot richer here. And I think that the problem is, is that the payout's going to get to the point where you're almost going to start discouraging some of these younger kids from really taking that Colt route, right? Where you're going to maybe like even last, last week we had on kind of a journeyman uh, young kid played at UCLA, went from McKenzie to KFT and now he's on there and he's kind of figured out his grind, but like that's five years of his life that he's just not going to get back. Just trying to get to this point, right. Had to switch balls had to switch clubs, did all of that, that and kind of talked about how, Hey man, it's just what it's what thrown at me. I got to get better at it. It's all on me. And I just, sometimes I get just a skosh of nervousness about this stuff where some of these guys are getting to the point where they're so padded and they're so much like this whole grip thing, right? Like, you know, Colin wants to take someone down, you know, John's not giving anything up and these guys keep doing that. I just hope there never gets to be a point of that comfortability factor. Of like it's just too much, right? Without some of these guys, obviously the Ryder cup and some of these events, even that out, but I sure hope we never tilt the scale just, just to the point where we can't get it back to even at some point. Yeah. I don't, I'm not worried about that with the likes of Roy McElroy, John Rom, Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth. Like they want to leave their mark on this game. They want to win major championships. They want to be known as one of the greatest to ever do it. Um, the money is just a bonus to them, but the money still is a big deal. Like a hundred million. I don't care who you are. It's a hundred million. Like that's why I don't fault any guy for going over there that it got offered just generational life-changing money like it's so i couldn't imagine if they called me right now and like hey we'll give you a hundred million dollars you want to come on over hell yeah where how do i go i mean that's just that's that's a whole different animal but yeah it's it's interesting right now because you know i'm probably going to get some guys that'll come at me and you know like like rory who it's not going to be a hatred thing it's just they're going to have a have a word with me about this about me saying like they have all the leverage because how can you say they don't I mean, they're calling player-only meetings in Delaware with Tiger and Roy McIlroy. I mean, Roy was flat-out open about it. He said, "He said we left that meeting feeling really good for us." I mean, that that's not exact quote, but it was something along the lines of that. Yeah, I don't know what was worse, that meeting or seeing Tiger get in the driver's seat when Ricky hopped in. It was like, "Ooh, this could be a little <laughs> dicey." Eric's actually at Rolling Hills in in L.A., so that was the site of the. Yeah. That's the thing I can't talk about. He was at my place. It was like. Yeah. That was a day I'll never, ever, ever be able to actually put into words. Yeah, that was a wild one. I remember we were getting ready for our Sirius XM show, sitting in the studio with TV on. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, what just happened? Yeah, are we going to lose a good one? Yeah, we had Derek actually uh, live on location that night. There was a lot of uh, NDAs signed and, and stuff we couldn't talk about. But I uh, bet. A little bit dicey. I got to say, it's uh, it's it's interesting to say, I guess we could call it almost a pissing match now because it seems like the PGA Tour is is trying to replicate. They almost got forced into a position, but I, I guess we'll see how it plays out. I mean, they'll obviously make adjustments again, and if this doesn't work or, or too many guys are upset, the membership, as they like to refer to it as. But I got to say, I'm really excited to go into the, the, the players this weekend, a course that you hold near and dear, obviously. Had some good success out there. I think sniffed a course record or still hold a course record. Out Tied. There. Oh, just depressing. Six, three. Yeah, three uh, putted, three putted the last. Just tragic. Hey man, that's that's uh that's something to hang on the wall for sure. That's pretty exciting. But it's so annoying because every year during the players, like golf channels on, it goes through there and it shows the records on every hole and then course record. And there's like six of us with sixty three, and I'm like, God damn it, I missed a three and a half footer <laughs> for sixty two, and else it would be just be my name right there and i'm the one sitting at home holding a microphone like that would be so cool and i'm so mad I, honestly it might be the one shot even though i wouldn't have won the golf tournament it might be the one shot i wish i could have over in my whole pga tour career and that's right there the magic of the pga tour and why live will never have that sort of flag ah. to wave. well that's that was my whole deal and like like i said i'm a golf nerd i always have been like i'm obsessed with it and everyone's like, did you know what the putt was for? And I'm like, you damn right I knew what it was for. <laughs> Jack Nicklaus, Tiger Woods, Arnold Palmer, everyone has played here. And I'm about to shoot the lowest round ever shot on this golf course at this golf tournament. And I'm like, and I just puked all over myself and had one of the nastiest lip outs ever. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that one, that was still, it, it's awesome. I, I, I joke on all of our shows. I'm like, please, nobody shoot 62 this year. Let me just <laughs> have it for another year. But um, man, that was, that was a fun week. And that was a, that was a really special day. How hard is that golf course in tournament time? Is it 
got all the teeth that they're talking it out to be, or is it nah, not so bad? You know, it's one of those ones. I think if you're on your game, you can you can really go and get. Like if you're putting the ball in the fairway, the greens are small. Like the day I shot 63, I hit all 18 greens, which is not very easy to do around there. But oh. and I also did it in May, which is a big. Um, that's a huge advantage for me in May because the ball actually runs, and all I got a lot of guys are hitting two irons off holes, and I'm hitting driver up there. But it's one of those ones. There's just it seems like every single hole has like a pucker factor shot. Like it's just it it makes you so uncomfortable. There's trouble over here. There's trouble over there. It's one where I feel like if you're off, you can shoot eighty in a hurry. But if you're on, you can go out there and sh- and really score on it. Obviously, last year we had some forty mile an hour winds when that was just insane. You couldn't even begin to get it on the seventeenth green. But it's it it's one of my favorite golf courses just because every single hole looks different and it has such an exciting finish. It's, this is one of my favorite tournaments to watch all year. Yeah, it's unfortunate Cam's not going to be there this year. It would be uh, would be nice to see him defend. Obviously, he's a fantastic player, had a storied year last year, but uh, excited for the field. Obviously, there's a lot of crazy buzz going around a lot of players right now. So it should be a real exciting event. You did kind of mention this earlier. We're going to shift gears again here. You said... You stepped away from the PGA Tour, and now you're holding the microphone. Talk to us a little bit about that whole transition and what sort of was the incubation process behind the podcast. Yeah, so it, it all really started when I had hand surgery. I played pretty well for me in 2015, 2016. 2016, I, I played great all year and then ran into a run in the playoffs where it was just the worst possible rotation for me ever. It was like Beth Page, Crooked Stick, and... Oh, and TPC Boston. It's like, my bomber. God, can we have the biggest bombers? I mean, even Andy Pazner of the PGA Tour came up to me. I think I was 51st in the FedEx going in the playoffs. He's like, tough draw for you this year. <laughs> I was like, thanks, man. Maybe just throw in one course where length doesn't matter. That'd be great. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I was hurt. I was actually out in Las Vegas um, having some fun with some friends. And my phone rang and it was a New York number. Didn't answer it. Um, got, a, got a voicemail. It was a guy named Ross Malloy from CBS. Said, hey. Never met you. Heard a lot about you. Some people think you might be good at this TV thing. I know you're hurt right now. Would you want to give it a try? I was like, sure. I got nothing to do. So they gave me three, um, three events on Golf Channel. Put me in the 16th Tower at Riviera. I uh, had no idea what the hell I was doing. Uh, wasn't that great. Didn't even know. Big zero, literally zero notes. Had no clue what I was doing. I'll never forget. Lance Barrow was still the producer, and I was talking during a shot, and he told me. He said commercial. And so I stopped talking and he says commercial. And I don't say anything. He's like, Colt, send it to commercial. And I'm like, Oh my God, we'll be back to the Genesis invitational. He's like, when I say commercial, you, whoever's last talking sends it to commercial. I'm like, cool, man. I had no idea. That's how this thing worked. Like I've never had any training. I'm a golfer, man. I'm just, I'm just, I've, you got to help me out a little bit here. So the start wasn't that great, but I really enjoyed it. I thought I could get better at it, and I always wanted to go down on the ground and be an on-course guy, and I thought that's where I would thrive, and I did the PGA Championship at Harding Park for ESPN, and I, the producer there, Mike McQuaid, I was like, will you let me go on the ground? I really want to try it. He goes, you got it, and 10 minutes in, I don't know if I was following JT or Jordan, whoever it was, he, in my ear, he's like, you'll never leave the ground. You found your spot. Like, this is great. Like that, I just felt so natural. It came very easy to me, and I loved it. But at the same time, I knew I was still playing some golf here and there, and I was playing, I was working on coming back from injury and all this. And, you know, my game just never came back. I ended up having two surgeries. My left wrist, my left thumb uh, was out nine months, two different times, and just never really got it back. And so I knew with about seven or eight events left on my major medical, like, listen, I'm going to pick the ones I really enjoy playing. This is going to be it for me. And then I'm going to honestly, like, I, I knew then, like, I was going to take a gamble and go do something else. Like I could have gone back to the corn Ferry tour, but when you're out on the PGA tour that long, it's just, that just doesn't really get you excited. Like, like you mentioned like the grind, like and and the grit to get better. Like I just didn't think I had that in me. I think I was 36 years old at the time when I decided to step away. And, you know, I had this opportunity. It wasn't a guarantee that I was going to get, you know, CBS and all this, like I had to go work for it. But along those along during that timeline, you know, we started the Sirius XM show, that led into the podcast, which, you know, once again, you never know how it's going to go. I mean, like you said, y- y'all are in your fifth season. Like, probably when you started this thing, you're probably like, let's see how a few episodes go, and let's hopefully it, hopefully it works. And that's kind of how it was for us. And it's it took off, and it's been way bigger than I think we ever thought it would. 
you know, walking down fairways now and hearing subpar and gravy in the sleeves and where the hell sleeves every single hole. It's it's comical. I never thought it would come to this. But, you know, I it's hard for me to admit it, but I, I think it's true. Like the injury is probably the best thing that ever happened to me. You're not siloed, which I love. You're approachable. You have that relationship with a lot of the tour guys. You know the golf courses. You know what to do. You have that acumen of being on a golf course in a professional setting, essentially, right? But you have that access component. You can you can reach out to these guys. You can reach out and touch them. You can walk up to them and get a quote. You can talk to them. They're not afraid of you. They don't feel dispositioned by Colt being around. You know what I mean? It's that sort of brotherhood that you I mean, have established, which is awesome. I mean, I've been professional for 13 years. I mean, these are some of my best friends in the world. This is who you travel with. This is who you hang around with. Yeah, I switched jobs. Uh, but I think these guys know that they can trust me enough to tell me certain things that I, I will use on air and certain things that I know, hey, that doesn't cross the line. Like, I go eat with a lot of these guys at tournaments at night. You know, and they say things. We joke around. We have a good time. And they know I'm not going to use it on air the next day. But if they say something that's interesting, I'll be like, Hey, Jordan, do you mind if I throw that out there? And if he says, go ahead, then I'm off. Then, then we do it. If he says yeah. no, then it's off limits. Because once you lose their trust, uh, I think once you lose your trust with one of them, you might lose it with Game all over. of them. Yeah, for sure. It's that mutual respect component, right? I mean, but, yeah, but like you said, like, I mean, that's one reason I love being down on the ground is like interacting with those guys, talking to the gallery, um, just having fun with it. Like, I, I, I don't really think I could sit up in a tower with a monitor now it's an awesome job like everybody does fantastic and i and i don't find it as easy where other people say on the ground's the hard part i was like sitting in a chair calling it off a monitor for three four five hours i'm like i i, I don't like it i i want to be out there i want to be around the people i want to feel the energy like i still get excited coming up 18 when the tournament's on the line like that is so cool and, and i have nothing to do with it i'm just trying to make a great call but man that that i just that still gets the you know i don't have any hair but if i did it would probably stand up it's the birdie juice flowing, I guess they would say, right? Quote, unquote. Yeah. I got to ask, is it a lot of meetings? Is it a lot of programming? Because I have it on good source from one of your collegiate teammates that there was meetings held regularly when you were you know, a little bit younger playing on the golf team at SMU that uh, Million Dollar Babies was the host of the uh, regular meetings. I think it was called Million Dollar Saloon, if you want to get it correct. But there's also a place <laughs> called the Clubhouse. Um, yeah, we call them captain's meetings. Coach had no clue about it. He actually, a bunch of my teammates, uh, and obviously our coach came to my induction into the SMU Hall of Fame, and yeah. I threw it in my speech about the captain's meetings. Did you? And uh, he afterwards, he's, he kind of asked, like, what that was about, and we told him, he's like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, I'm not going to get myself in trouble on here or anything, but we just, you know, night before tournaments, we would go to this fine establishment, have a couple, and the first time we did it, we won the tournament. And we're like, well, that's probably the reason why, so let's do it again. And it kept working. So uh, that's where, you know, a special group of us held some captain's meetings. That's too funny. Yeah, I, I was texting with Saglanich today. I'm like, you got to oh, give God. me a story that nobody knows about. And he's like, uh, ask Colt about the time you ran a mile back in college. Don't think it ever happened. Something about a mile. He said, he, he said, I'm supposed to say I have it on good source that you ran miles back in, back in college. No, so there was a time when we were, we weren't, we didn't play very well. Um, at a tournament and coach was pissed off when we came home and he's like here's the deal everyone's running a mile and that's and we're going to equate it to a qualifying score for the next tournament and I was like I just started laughing. I was like so you don't want me to play and he goes <laughs> everyone but Colt's running a mile <laughs> so that's how, that's how it kind of went um, I'm not a big fan of running I told him that that's you know no matter how far I run how fast I run my golf game uh, I don't think that's going to help so Far super so, and he yeah. uh, he agreed with me which was nice that's too funny. I like that a lot. All right. We've gone through the proposed changes. We're not a huge fan. We talked about Netflix. We're talking about podcasting now. Let's get into a little bit more of the sort of meat and potatoes of this. How are you guys doing the whole scheduling thing? How do you find the sort of the script that you guys work through? Maybe give us a little peek behind the curtain for our audience. You know, people would not believe this. I don't think, you know, Sleaze and I very rarely do any sit down like and exchange notes or anything like that. We kind of go into it like, all right, hey, here's like we're filming with Akshay Batia, Batia tomorrow. It's like I'm going to do my stuff. He's going to do his stuff. We have that fun emergency nine segment. We might find, go go over that a little bit before the show. But other than that, it's kind of like we just wing it. And I've started to get to the point now where I think the greatest episodes are when I come in with just nothing except my nine questions. And it's just a conversation. 
and we just have fun with what's going on in the world of golf. Obviously, Akshay just got like special temporary membership, huge, so that'll be fun to talk friend. about. And he's 21, and he said in his interview, he goes, I want to write a book about my journey. I'm like, you're 21 years old. That'd be the shortest story ever. What are you talking about? So that like stuff like that will get brought up. But for us, it's, you know, I'm lucky that I have obviously a lot of these players at my disposal, so I get to see them a lot of times and ask them to come on. Um, you know, Sleaze knows a handful of the guys as well. So it's just, it's honestly just reaching out. And the podcast, it's it's become relatively popular, I would say. And we have the point where guys are now reaching to, to come out. They're reaching out to us to come on the show. But like for me, like I, I booked one. I'm a huge sports fan, right? I watch everything. And I think Dan Orlovsky with the NFL is probably one of the best analysts in the business right now. Like I just love watching him. He's like Charles Barkley in the NBA for me. He explains it where I understand it. And he lives and breathes by it. And he started following me on Twitter. And I was like, you know what? That's really, really cool. I'm going to follow him back. And I'm just going to send him a DM, see if he come on subpar. And he's like, dude, anytime. Love golf. Would love to sit down and talk about it for an hour with y'all. That's how these things happen. It's just the random DM. I mean, that's how it kind of happened with us. It's like, yep. hey, we'll throw one out there. Sometimes you get responses. Sometimes you don't. But we're so lucky with um, with with everything that's happened. I mean, we would we do work very, very hard at it. But, um, you know, the the contacts we have, it's. I, I pinch myself every day. I'm not, I'm not quite sure how this has all worked out. Isn't it wild how that works? I mean, sometimes you just throw a DM out and they're like, absolutely. Yeah. Whenever can you guys do it tonight? And you're like, what the fuck? Really? I'll tell you, I'll tell you a funny okay. story. And I still don't understand how big a deal this guy is, but I, I learned about it a lot at the AT&T at Pebble beach. I was over in Dubai covering the Asian Pacific amateur for Augusta national. And this guy stops me walking down the fairway. He's like, Hey, my, one of my clients is a huge fan of your podcast. He listens every week. He's obsessed with golf. I think he'd be a great guest. I'm like, cool. I was like, who, who is he? He's like, he's a soccer player. I was like, dude, I know like two soccer players. He goes, it's Gareth Bale. And I just, Ooh. I was like, cool. Sounds good. No, <laughs> I had no clue who he was. So all of a sudden I'm coming a couple fairways later. I'm walking, I'm Googling and I look on Instagram and the dude's got 45 million followers. I'm like, I never even heard of this guy. And I was like, hell yes, he can come on. So I get to meet him at Pebble Beach this year, and he's a 12 of a dude. He is so awesome. And he literally, we spot each other in the tap room. He looked at me, I looked at him, and he's like, subpar? And I'm like, Gareth Bale? Yeah. <laughs> he's like, yeah. And so we hung out that night, um, exchanged numbers, and we're going to get him on the pod at some point. But I, that's just, that's wild to me that a guy like that, I, I mean, you could have put him, 10 people out there and said, name Gareth Bale, and I couldn't have been able to tell you. And now I realize he's one of the biggest superstars in the, in the sporting world. Is it COVID that did this thing for golf that opened all these doors and created this ultimate platform? Or is it just sort of the magic of the game? That's the great equalizer that gives everybody that opportunity to reset and be equal on the first tee. But yet everybody's it's that infinite pursuit of perfection that nobody will ever achieve, regardless of your stature in any other field. It's just, it's crazy. I think it's both. I mean, I, not much good came out of COVID, obviously. But golf thrived because you could actually go outside and be around people at a safe distance. But, you know, these other athletes, they when they're when they're finished playing, especially, I think they look for something for that competition. And golf gives that to them because they can go out, obviously, with handicaps and play against, you know, anyone in the world. And but it's crazy the relationships I've, you know, I, I, I've received because of the game of golf. It has been so crazy that, you know, I mean from Booger McFarlane who came up to me at Phoenix. He's like, dude, I'm a huge fan. I'm like, how the hell do you know who I am? I was like, I watch you on Monday night football and ESPN and everything all the time. Like I'm a huge football guy, but it just still shocks me that some of these guys know who I am now. It's, they definitely didn't know who I was when I was playing. <laughs> Everybody's getting a peek behind the curtain now though. I mean, social media has blown up. Golf is the, the new cool. What's your, what's your feeling on the influencer space of golf? I hate that word, but people are leveraging it for the monetary component, right? It's uh, I guess, you know, I'm not, I like firing on Twitter and stuff. Every once in a while, I get in some interactions cause I get bored sitting in a hotel room. Um, I'm not the biggest Instagram guy. Like I just post pictures of uh, whoever our guest is of the week. Basically that's about it. They try to get me to do more and I'm just really not that into it. The fact that people are making money being golf influencers is just wild to me. Um, I did the Callaway product release show out in california early in january um i'm lucky enough to still have a relationship with them and like 
that's one thing that they kept talking about was how like combined there was over 400 million followers in this room. And I'm like, I, it's come to the point now where like I use Riggs as an example at TaylorMade just because I like to bag on Riggs, but he's actually become really famous. Like I honestly think he sells more clubs for TaylorMade than Colin Morikawa does. And that's just so that that pains me to say, but it's, it's a hundred percent true. It's legit. Yeah. It, it, and it's so funny because obviously at that same event, I was one of the few PGA professionals that was there because of my locale and, and the fact that I master with Callaway, but it was funny because like it's not easy for me to hear that you know i am literally living in the space where i'm trying to push clubs for the company so i have a relationship with those who work underneath me so i can get them product and take care of them and also believe in this because i'm such a callaway guy hence taylor made no longer sponsors this goddamn podcast because i just couldn't get it right but literally it's it's almost it hurts my heart a little bit to hear this but you're so right because like like colt said like these people are learning about all of us that are in the industry or in the game because that it is cool and social media let it get there. So I have to understand the avenue that it's got. Because Parksy, you and I are very similar to what he was talking about with Sleaze. It's like, we don't run notes. We kind of go off of each other's personality. You're the stoic guy with the mic. I'm the guy nobody wants to hear about unless I'm talking shit. And it's like, <laughs> it's literally kind of that same thing. But it's like, you're not wrong. So like in my world, like we would have to say, and I know Colt, but Colt's an influencer. He is, he moves oh, the needle. God, stop it. I know, oh. but it's the truth. But Booger McFarlane, Orlovsky, these guys, if you weren't, they wouldn't know. And it's not just because you're so Gross. good at what you do with product. It's the fact that it's an accessible person who played the game paired with somebody else and the common bullshit is worth listening to. And that's what makes this all look so wonderful. Yeah. Well, that's what I tell Callaway. I'm like, Y'all paid me way more when I played. I'm way more valuable now. Can we switch those paychecks around? That'd be great. <laughs> like, I just literally came. I had a, an executive team outing at Top Golf. The little one, El Segundo, like, we just left, and I came home to, to plug in with you guys. And it's like, the amount of money these people are printing, there are people there that would never touch golf because now they have a screen, they have access, there's 37 bars, people bring you things. Like, it's such an easy way to do it. And no matter where, as the golf guy, it's the last thing. I want to go to a bar. I want to go to some show. Like, But every single person wants to go to Top Golf because of what that feels like, right? It's a game. It's arcade-like. You put your number in. You have a profile. And it's a screen-oriented activity that requires nothing but a little bit of fun and a bunch of alcohol and food. And it's like, holy shit, that is literally where Chip Brewer kicked off the line. Like, mm -hmm. the ultimate conservative, unbelievable CEO and they're smart enough to celebrate it when they bought it and to use it and publish it. it. It's just the way the world's going. And if you don't get on board soon, you're going to get left behind. It's a, it's a wild world. Every time I meet somebody and they're like, I'm like, what are you doing? I'm an influencer. And then I look them up on social media and they have 250,000 followers. I'm like, okay, I just, I guess, I guess that's a sign I'm getting old. I'm 37 now. And I just, I don't understand that life. I don't understand why these, now, now some of them like Paige Sprannick, She's one of the most famous people on the planet. She's the most followed golfer there is on, on social media. So I understand why people pay her to promote their products. But some of them, I'm like, I don't really understand it, but good for you. Yeah, you found a sort of, <laughs> you found a niche, I guess, to sell your ass or whatever you got to do to promote said product and make a revenue and get those ROIs. But it's, it's, <laughs> it's a fine line. It's a little dicey. And, and like you said, the subpar, or the, sorry, not subpar, the guys from Barstool are interesting at times i wouldn't say they're a fantastic product but they're doing good work and i think you're right like that's a little more relatable to the average consumer mm -hmm. so it's they gain that buy-in they gain that consumer trust and that's what's selling product that's what's moving the needle now i mean i don't hate on guys like johnny Warner because he's a friend of the show he's on as a regular sort of guest co-host once in a while but they've created this sort of environment that's really receptive to that guy being in touch with the players, the guy being on the ground. And I think that's why you're having that success because you are that guy. You're, you have that reach and you're just an awesome personality to watch. Yeah. And you know, hang Riggs lives here in Scottsdale now. And so, you know, I, I run into those guys obviously at all kinds of golf tournaments. It is insane how famous they are. Like it is, it is comical. I'm like, you're a 10 handicap. You're a 12 handicap Riggs. You're a, I'll give you a little bit. You're a four or five, whatever you are. I was like, and people are obsessed with y'all and they love listening to y'all talk about golf. And I just give them a hard time all the time. I'm like y'all literally don't know what the hell you're talking about, but it's, Hey, it's relatable. People love it. 
um, they're normal dudes. I mean, I think that's one reason. Like you said, I've had success as I'm just a normal guy. I go out in public, have drinks, watch football. I think that's the reason Max Homa is slowly becoming the most popular guy on the PGA Tour right now. And I, once again, removed Tiger Woods from that. Uh, I mean, Max Homa is just a dude. He lets you know exactly how he feels. He knows you're gonna. he's going to go out and have a good time. He does a gazillion podcasts. I mean, the day after he won San, San Diego, we went out in Old Town in Scottsdale and watched the NFC and AFC championship games. And he's just... Hey, I'm, I'm, I don't know how old he is off the top of my head, 30 years old. I like to have some cold beer and watch football. And that's what I'm going to do. I don't care if I won a golf tournament yesterday or not. I'm going to go out and have a good time. And that's I think fantastic. that's why people love this guy. One of the many well, reasons. Yeah. You know, and it's like in a couple of weeks, we have Todd Martin on whisper rock guy, Peter Millar guy. And, you know, they're sitting here, they're sponsoring Barstool. You know, you're thinking about probably the premier conservative brand in, in, in the industry. And they're going to go ahead and part. they're going to literally, and they're, and they're promoting the shit out of it on social media and knowing Todd and knowing Scott, and these guys, they don't make mistakes, right? They partner with people that only move needles or will be respected in the golf community. They're not going outside of that. I'm happy. To, it's, it, I, I'm happy to help y'all get some guests. If you're, you're relying on Todd fucking Martin to get on here. <laughs> I mean, are you kidding me? Todd well, Martin's we'll about to be a anytime, guest you know. on a podcast. This is great. I, but do you know, for me, being one of his close friends, like what it took to actually capture him on camera for 45 minutes where he's got to be professional and not say shit that he's going to just run. And so I can't wait to see this line because I am going to do nothing but try to have him fuck up on the I mean, on the can you pod. just ask him to do the entire pod in Bob Parsons voice and it'll oh, be the greatest. Shit. It'll be the greatest episode you've had ever. <laughs> pxg we lay off employees like nobody period oh, oh my dude like he'll leave me voicemails or just send me voice memos the in the voice and it is i i cry laughing every time it's so good love todd martin great dude i agree yeah we'll take you up on that offer anytime you want to throw some some scraps <laughs> our way we're happy to facilitate the valet guy at mastro's where i was at tonight's <laughs> available <laughs> i mean he's probably more interesting than todd yeah, the guy in the back watching dishes too it's a wallpaper oh, event, right? Awesome. The Peter Millar uh, wallpaper event. It's going to be a good one. I was waiting for a special guest to jump in, but it looks like he's putting his kids to bed, I guess. so. Oh, I have a feeling I know who that is. He's real yeah, busy. Yeah, you know who that is. I'm sure he is. I'm sure he's sitting in a bathtub blowing bubbles right now. Oh, but that's all God, good. No, he just he forgot. He is the most unorganized human on the planet. So he first off, they're already in bed. It's 8.50 here in Scottsdale. They go to bed at 8 o'clock. I know his schedule. <laughs> there you go. We'll, we'll grind him for it afterwards. No big deal. Talk to us about that relationship. How has how were you guys introduced originally, and then how has that sort of evolved in this great friendship partnership? Yeah, he's a year older than me, but I believe we're the same year in college. And so he was at TCU over in Fort Worth. I was at SMU in Dallas and met through college. I mean, weren't like close friends or anything like that, um, mostly because I played the one spot, and I think he was the four or five spot over at TCU, so we didn't get paired together very often. Uh, no, but he's wah, wah, wah. yeah, he um, <laughs> he's such a good dude. I you know, we obviously became a lot closer when I moved out here to Scottsdale in 2014, uh, joined Whisper Rock. He was the man around there, obviously not scared to talk, um, wears everyone out up and down the range. And that's kind of what I do. And I was like, oh, this guy seems kind of fun. Uh, and then you, we talked about doing some stuff possibly together, but we really didn't know how to get into the, the business. Like I had no clue. Like I said, I mean, I just all I did was play golf. And then I got a call from Scott Greenstein at Sirius XM about doing a show and met him for 10 minutes. Him and his wife met him for lunch in L.A. Said, hey, we're going to give you a show um, one day a week for an hour. I said, can I bring somebody on? And he said, it's your show. Do whatever you want. And so I call Sleaze the second. Now, my now wife was waiting on me in the parking lot, got in the car. I was super excited. I was like, I think we finally got something called Sleaze. He's like, hell yes, let's get it going. We started, I think, the week before the masters in probably 2018 2019 first guest we had it's one hour so i mean it's a it's a very quick show with commercials and everything we got jordan spieth to, to join us right before the masters and the thing just took off and you know the the podcast came shortly there afterwards and we went from doing an hour a week to them wanting us to do five days a week for three hours a day um to to agreeing on three days a week for two hours a day to also doing the podcast so we spend a lot of time around each other. Um, and I honestly say, like, I mean, I think like all business deals, all business couples, if you want, uh, there's always a little bickering here and there. But for the most part, man, we get along so well. 
Um, it's just it's a pleasure to go to work with one of your best friends in the world each day. Like he comes over to my house each morning for Sirius XM when I'm in town. And it's just we sit here and we honestly just talk bullshit for two hours and we get paid for it. And it just it's a it's a crazy world that we're living in. Um, I, I never thought any of the stuff we did would go to the level it, it has. I never thought we'd go to the point where people stop and ask sleaves for pictures. It's, it's it, that's that, that was a hello world moment. But uh, really cool, man. He does such a great job. He's a big personality. I've always said he's one of the he's probably the wittiest person I've ever met in my life. Like, if you're going to talk shit with Sleaze, you better be on your game. He's quick, right? And that's a face only a mother could love. So I can't imagine too many people want pictures. I mean, or, that or keep on their phone. I mean, look <laughs> at this picture. If you can see in the video, look at the picture of Steve Elkington drew us. Look at the size <laughs> of that head. Oh, my God. Poor guy. It's OK. Talk to us about the X Factor. Talk to us about everything that is McCord. Oh, Gary, I mean, one of the reasons, you know, honestly, I, I probably got into TV. I, I know he put in a good word for me, but he's been so awesome. Um, you know, meeting that guy when I was still playing out on tour, I mean, he's he's a legend. I mean, he was in 10 Cup. That's so cool. Like He's in one of the greatest golf movies of all time. And then being a member at Westbrook, getting this, you know, he sits at the same table every day he's there, um, holds court, tells great stories, and you know, it's been a huge help to me because I remember, like I said, the first time I did TV, I mean, I was nervous and I didn't know what I was doing. And he got there Thursday night and he called me over. He goes, get your ass over here. He goes, what in the hell did I listen to today? And I'm like, what? He goes, that's not you. He goes, be you. And that's all he's ever preached to me is like, he's like, man, he goes, we, there's 5 million golf broadcasters out there. He goes, anyone can say seven iron, 175, all this. He's like, you got to be different set yourself apart. And I mean, he's always preached that to me and he's just been, I, I hate to call him a role model. That's terrifying, but <laughs> <laughs> he is, dude, he's one of my favorite people. Uh, you get, you get me, him and Slee sitting around the table at Whisperock. Uh, they should sell tickets to that. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, I would say we had him on the show. Thanks to the Slees, man. And he showed up with a red cup and we had to take a break for a little bit so that he could form sentences. And then we got it dialed in and, it, it was an absolute pleasure to have on. I mean, the stories, I mean, this guy is an absolute legend and he knows shit that nobody will ever know. You know what I mean? He's got stories he can take to the grave, but there is so much in there. This guy should be writing books about his life. Multiple, multiple books. I agree. Uh, I mean, he's one of the best ever. The reason he's so great is because he's different. There's, there's no one else that can do what Gary McCord did. And I don't know if there ever will be. Um, I remember Lance Barrow, who the legendary CBS producer has produced everything. He said he th he thinks in his he'll never you'll never see another John Madden or another Gary McCord like they were just that different. And it's just so hard to replicate. And, you know, people come up to me all the time. And they're like, oh, you're the next Gary McCord. I'm like, oh, no, 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 that, that, that that's a one of one. Uh, I just want to be me. I love that I can bring some humor to it because he's always told me like he, he breaks down kind of like a sitcom. Right. He goes he's like if, if you took friends and all all six of them were the exact same, the show would suck. You got to have everyone be different. And it, it, and it makes total sense. Like if you think about a golf broadcast, like you got your host, you got your lead analyst, you got your few whole guys, and then you got your on the course guys. And if you can get everyone to be different, it's, it, it makes for a great show. He told me, he's like, Hey, even if you agree with everything they're saying, go against it because that that'll make for much better television. And I don't know if that was to trick me into possibly getting me fired one day or what, <laughs> but it, it seemed like great advice at the time. He's just setting the table for you to get royally screwed. So Dude, that's fantastic. You know, that's the one thing, honestly, I wish, you know, we have a great team at CBS. Um, wouldn't trade any of them for the world except for Nabilo. Um, But if, if Gary McCord was still in the tower, sending it down to me, I mean, my God, the things that might be said, I don't comedy. know how long we would last, comedy. but it would be, it would be great while it did. It would be pure comedy. I have to say you, you mentioned it. So the team is awesome. And Sam Saunders did a phenomenal job this past weekend so sorry zinger not a huge huge fan he's kind of wallpaper obviously nice to see faldo go not that i don't like him he's a pretty established player and pretty accredited player wonderful guy but just didn't do it for me but it's evolving into this really fun ecosystem and you guys are on the right path though yeah really. i think the team at cbs has got off to an incredible start on the west coast i mean seller shy our producer has come up with some unbelievable ideas i mean he's the one who came up with the idea of Amanda and I sitting on 16. And I mean, I mean, how lucky was that, that we get a guy to make a hole in one the first year and the place goes nuts. And it was some of the best TV and golf 
for that for that year, and then we do it again this year, and it was a home run. But anytime you got Jim Nance at the helm, it's kind of hard to mess up. You just let Jim lead you lead you to the great things. But I, I love our team. We're having so much fun. You know, I, I got along great with Nick. Um, him and I used to like to bust each other's balls, have a good time going back and forth on air, kind of like Nablo and I do now. But Trevor stepping in, uh, obviously a huge spot. He's doing good, yeah. And Trevor's he's good. he brings a lot of energy, which is great. I think that's what we need. Um, you know, it, it's a TV show. It's supposed to be entertaining. Like, let's get this thing going. I tell people all the time, the you know, they're like, oh, I love to turn the golf on and take a nap. I'm like, no, uh-uh. We're, we're, we're going to watch. We're going to make you watch, and, and you're going to laugh, and you're going to enjoy this. This is going to be a great three hours of your day. Dude, you got my vote. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show tonight. Fantastic time to talk. Derek, I'm going to throw it over to you to the final question of the evening, and we'll let this man off the hook for the day. Well, it's it has, has been great, and you made my night with the top Martin reference, so I'm really going to enjoy that one going down the road. That's going to be a lot of fun. The texts I've been sending in the last 10 minutes are going to probably get both of us in even more trouble, but it'll be fun. <laughs> but that being said, um, the thing for me that I'm trying to kind of, and Chris and I have talked about, a lot about this, is, is we're kind of trending towards streaming, we're going to have a lot of what you guys talk about, right? I think there's going to be there's going to be access between very certain people calling. I think it's going to get very individualized. You guys are going to have so many different coverages, and with all the cameras, you guys can do an amazing job. And kind of going back to the roots, because I think a lot of the time we talk about all this stuff, and at the club that I'm at, we 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 try to get back to amateur golf. We want to stay in that vein. We 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 said no to some of the professional events that have been offered, and. I just can't fathom for me what it probably deep down inside of you underneath all of this, how much fun it must be able to be to talk about your USAM, your USGA records, all the things you had as an AM. Can you just kind of on the way out, give us a little, give us a little, couple little nuggets or something that kind of takes us back to where it all started for you. Because when you talk about SMU, you had that little glow in your eye. And I can tell that all of this matters, right? From the time you started to the time you finally hung it up. Let's talk a little bit on the way out about the USGA stuff. Yeah, so actually, um, as far as covering it, I did cover the USAM last year at Ridgewood, and it was so much fun. Um, went there. I was the lead on course for them alongside Smiley Kaufman, and we, Smiley, it was yeah. just a blast. Going back to those days, I actually went to the USGA Museum for the first time ever that week because it was 45 minutes down the road. And it was one of those ones, man, like I, I got soft. I walked in. And I don't know if y'all have ever been there, but this out in New Jersey, um, the USGA museum, they got everything there. Every, every trophy, every single USGA champion's name is, is on the wall in there. And when you first walk in, you turn the corner to go towards the, the wall of champions. And there's six like life-size portraits and there's tiger there's Annika. I can't remember who else there is, but one of the pictures that's been there for a very long time is when, Myself, Billy Horschel, and Jamie Lovemark were like lifting uh, Jonathan Moore up at the Walker Cup. And that's one of the pictures on the wall. And I'm like, damn, that's pretty cool that every with everything that's going on in the history of golf and everything with the USGA, that I walk in and that's one of the first things I see. And then to make my way to the Wall of Champions and see my name on one of those plaques, you know, twice in 2007, like I sneakily kind of started tearing up a little bit. It was sure. cool. I was like, dude, I, I guess, I guess it back then it doesn't really hit you like you you just won a tournament because that's what you're trying to do and i knew i was one of the best players in the world at the time but when i for some reason 15 years later when i walked in that museum it all hit me and i'm like damn i did something pretty cool back then um you know it was one of those special runs of golf where you know growing up in pilot point texas with no golf course um real small country town i never thought any of that would happen to get to the number one am in the world to play on a Walker cup team alongside Dustin Johnson, Ricky Fowler, Billy Horschel, Jamie Lovemark, Kyle Stanley, Webb Simpson, Chris Kirk. I mean, the list, the, our team was a joke um, to play alternate shot partners with Dustin Johnson playing Roy McElroy on day one at Royal County down. Those are memories I'll never forget. And I still cannot believe, you know, that I, I was a part of it. I mean, our Walker cup team went to the white house. We went to the oval office for an hour with president George W. Bush. Like, like I said, I grew up in a town of 5,000 people. There was 80, I always joke, there was 89 people in my high school class and 88 of them are still there. Um, <laughs> so for, to, to go to, to some of the things that I've got to experience because of this game and, you know, what, what I accomplished in amateur golf, it's just, I, I can't believe it. Um, you know, I got such a, you can see this behind me, but I mean, I got a wall of jerseys of some of the guys I met over here, my U.S. Amateur Walker Cup and Pub Link stuff over there. Uh, it, it It's crazy. I just, I'm so lucky. You know, I, I, I will say I worked my ass off for it. 
Um, but that summer in 07, that was a special one. Uh, it's it, it's it, But it's also cool for me to see those guys that I competed against, what they're doing in the game of golf now. Like, you know, I, I still get so pumped up for these guys when they're in contention to win majors. Like, Dustin Johnson was one of my best friends in, in amateur golf and early on in our pro career. And, I mean, watching him do what he did, like, I would get emotional every Sunday. He'd, he would hoist a trophy. I'm like, that's my buddy right there. This is so cool that, that he's doing what he's doing. But, you know, for me, I just – I. I this game has been so great to me. I just try to give back as much as I can on a kind of sentimental, serious note there. Like I, I do try to, you know, leave this game in a better place. And, you know, now that it's on the media side, I hope everyone's enjoying it. Um, for the most part, everyone on Twitter is very complimentary. There are, there are the few haters out there, which there always will be, but man, I just, I love this game so much and I can't wait to see what the future holds. Um, I, I I'm just, I, I say all the time, I think playing professional golf led me to doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And that's, that's this right now. And it's not over yet. And the best part about it is you're going to have a hand in this for a very long time. And we anticipate that this is going to be a very storied career in, in the media side of golf. So keep doing what you're doing, Colt. It's fantastic to have you on the show. Truly, truly grateful for your time. I appreciate, appreciate it. Everything. Yeah, I appreciate it. Congrats on all y'all's success. Sorry it took so long, um, but really appreciate y'all having me on. And I'll tell you one thing. I'll be tuning. I don't listen to a whole lot of other shows because I, I get tired of hearing myself talk about golf, but I will be tuned in to Mr. Todd Martin. That's <laughs> awesome. Man. The best. Thanks guys. Appreciate <laughs> it. All right, okay, thanks, cool. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. All right, poor Jack fam. Unless you've been living under a rock, you know, we're heading into master's week. And our new partnership with Swing Tweaks has a special offer for you. That's right. This week and this week only, they're giving away one Swing Tweak and 20% off on sign-up using code MASTERS. If you want to get better at golf and you don't want to spend hundreds and thousands of dollars, then download the Swing Tweaks app. It's a more affordable and convenient way to get a lesson from a certified PGA professional. Yes. Someone that has actually spent time learning the mechanics of the golf swing and knows what they're talking about. All you need to do is jump on the app, record your swing from a couple different angles. The app will help you through this. Tell us what you're struggling with and hit send. Honestly, it's that simple. Within six hours, you'll receive a full video lesson from a professional. They'll analyze your swing, view the potential pain points, and talk you through the solutions, providing professional advice and the correct drills to work through during your practice. If you want to take the guesswork at a game improvement, Swing Tweaks is that solution. Again, for this week and this week only, use code MASTERS at sign up. Absolutely no strings attached. What have you got to lose, honestly, but a few strokes? Have a great Masters week.